Hey, 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 you're listening to another episode of Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that just came out. And today we're talking about a James Gunn movie. Uh, this is The Suicide Squad, which is James Gunn's fourth superhero movie and his first one for DC. Um, this is a really fun movie about a bunch of supervillains who you're not supposed to get too attached to. And... Um, we are sort of all over the place with this one. We do have we do have some kind of structure, like there's there's structure to our episodes, but um, we sort of just kind of launch into it. And I guess there's probably light spoilers throughout the throughout the throughout the whole episode, but like we give a full real spoiler warning when uh, when we start actually spoiling things. So. Um, yeah, if you haven't seen the movie and you want to listen to us talk first, you can. Uh, you, you don't have to be on the lookout for anything other than that spoiler warning. Um, but anyway, as with most James Gunn movies, this movie has a really bumping soundtrack. And normally I would put some part of the score here, but instead uh, here is some Johnny Cash. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. I hear the train a coming, it's rolling around a bend, and I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. I'm stuck in Folsom Prison, and time keeps dragging on. But that train keeps a rolling on down to San Antonio. When I was just a baby, my mama told me, son. Always be a good boy, don't ever play with guns But I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die When I hear that whistle blowing, I hang my head and cry You're listening to another episode of Classic Movies Live, uh, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that just came out. And uh, Pierre, I think today we're doing another first for for this show. I can't swear to it, but as much as I like the director, I don't think we've talked about any James Gunn movies today uh, yet. We have not. I believe that's probably because he hasn't directed too many big movies, but As, so did Guardians of the Galaxy did Guardians of the Galaxy two come out after we started uh recording? No, no. That was twenty seventeen, so quite a bit. Like Oh couple, wow. Or at least I don't know, it was like at least two years, I say, right? Or a yeah, year something and a half. Like that. If it came out before Glass, yeah, Glass was twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah, I guess we haven't been recording that up that long. Yeah, not really. Um, yeah, first James Gunn movie. Yeah, so that James Gunn movie is, I mean, you could probably piece it together considering we said it's his first one he directed since Guardians of the Galaxy 2. That movie is The Suicide Squad, which is a direct sequel. Well, not a, not actually a direct sequel, but kind of a sequel to a movie we did actually talk about, uh, Birds of Prey. Remember that episode, Pierre? Uh, I... I remember being kind of upset during <laughs> if that counts. Not upset, that, that, but like disappointed, I guess. Yeah, that counts. I actually don't remember that episode very well. I just, uh, I just know that we did it because I was going through our old episodes the other day, and uh, I'm very proud of the cover image for that one. But like, apparently, we did it. We did an episode on Birds of Prey. I didn't even remember that. Yeah, much like I barely remember the movie. <laughs> So I think, fits, Birds of, yeah. I think Birds of Prey was one of the last movies I saw in theaters before, before there were no more theaters, too. Yeah, yeah, actually, because it was, what, February 2019, I believe it came out. Yeah. Know, 2020, I, think, I mean, but yeah. 2020. Might have been early February, but yeah, it was in February. And here anyway. we are. 
with the Suicide Squad. Yeah, which kind of a sequel. Not really, but like I think there's one line that Harley Quinn says in this movie that references that movie. And like I also could be entirely making that up. I know what the line is. The line is there. I just don't know if it's actually intended to be a reference. Yeah, what she references she used to be friends with or she is friends with Rick Flag and uh she she acknowledges Cap Captain Boomerang as someone well, you know, she's sort of friends with, I guess, right? Well, I mean, that's Suicide Squad that she's referring to there cuz like Oh, wait, are you talking about Birds of Prey? Yeah, yeah, there's one oh, line where she uh where she talks about um she's been in a lot of bad relationships and in those relationships oh, yeah. <laughs> they like uh they like kill your dog, tell you that the music you like isn't actually good music. I think she said a very similar line in Birds of Prey. Not 100% sure. I just seem to kind of remember it. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess that was part of her character progression. I thought it was more of like a a one-off joke, in my opinion, but like... Well, I think it probably was. I think it just kind of, like, I'm not... I don't know that it was intended as a reference. I think they just... That she just says something similar in both movies. Yeah, yeah, okay. (laughs) But anyway... Birds of Prey is another DC movie, and this is the latest DC movie. So with uh, that very clunky segue out of the way, uh, Pierre, what do you think the DC universe is like doing right now? It's such a weird universe. Uh, yeah, I, I think they're just kind of making movies and hoping <laughs> something sticks, you know? I, I think they're like, because they have that upcoming Flash movie where they're doing Flashpoint, which will introduce parallel timelines, very similar to what Marvel's doing, coincidentally, at the same time. And it seems like mm-hmm. that might they might be going for a soft reset of the DC universe because they just have so many different, like, like they have lots of conflicting things canon-wise and, like, uh, all of their movies. None of the movies really matter if they're, like, to be connected anymore. You know, like, Shazam was kind of a standalone for the most part, even though they referenced DC stuff. This movie was very much a standalone movie. Even though it's um, Birds of Prey was standalone. Kind of. Yeah. Um so yeah. like I yeah, I, I think there's just a lot there's a lot of experimentation going on, which I like. I think it it's actually the one thing that keeps them more unique to to Marvel and lets them uh put out more exciting stuff, I think, in the future. Yeah, I think that like DC had a really messy start, but it kind of works for them at the moment. Cause like, I think the best way I could describe it is like Marvel. If if you're like, if you have imagine like two people sitting at a desk, the Marvel desk is like the person is carefully curating all of the papers that he receives and making sure that they're filed in the correct places so that there's order and everything is consistent with DC. uh, The guy accidentally knocked all the papers off the desk and instead of doing anything about it, he just assigned people to each pile that happened. Yeah. And That's like, actually a pretty it, good metaphor. It, it kind of works. It's just like, um, it's very strange. It's, I mean, DC, I don't think can course correct at all to where Marvel is, but I don't think they have to. And I think it would actually be detrimental of them to try. Yeah. Well, I, I do like how. Because the continuity doesn't really matter anymore. Like, I like the vague references, if that makes sense. Like, in this mm-hmm. movie, they reference, uh, what's his name? Black Flag? Or, no, that's Rick, there's Rick Flag, Bloodsport. Bloodsport, played by Idris Elba, is in jail because he shot Superman with a kryptonite bullet and is in the ICU. Or, and he, uh, Superman's in the ICU. And, uh, yeah, or at least was. Yeah, and I, I like, I like, kind of like stuff like that, you know, because it's like, in Marvel, you can't really do like, oh, like do a one-off line of like, oh, this villain is dangerous because he almost killed Iron Man, you know? Because then you'd need to see that movie, right? Whereas in this, their current universe, you can do those one-off lines and it doesn't really conflict with anything because of the continuity just doesn't really matter <laughs> anymore. Yeah, so, yeah I think it actually, it's it it helps them kind of avoid, it helps DC kind of avoid a problem that Marvel doesn't have often, but that you definitely know when they do have. Like, a a movie we'll talk about in much more detail in a later episode, Black Widow. Uh, They constantly reference this event that happened, like, eight years ago that they've referenced before in-universe, but, like, they've never shown. 
and the references to it are pretty clunky because like this event has to have happened. But since the Marvel Universe's timeline is so like rigid and controlled, uh, they got to be really careful with what they say happened there. In this one, like in, in the DC Universe, there's no pressure to actually show anything that happens off screen. Like if someone in this movie had said like, oh, you know, back when the Justice League was in space fighting an alien. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, that just happened. Doesn't matter. We didn't. We don't have to see that movie. Yeah, and I, that's cool. And I think it like leads a lot to the imagination too, which is nice. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, and also you know, I think it lets them do stuff like the Suicide Squad, which I can't really see Marvel doing, which is just a really kind of risky movie in terms of you have a lot of C and D list characters, except for Harley Quinn, I guess. Uh, being like the stars of the movie and uh you kind of have a situation where you don't know who's gonna die and when because again none of these characters really have any monetary value to them (laughs) in terms of like the brand you know well and the interesting thing of this is too that like because of the way their universe is set up that not knowing which characters are gonna live and die does also extend to harley quinn i'll spoil one thing harley quinn doesn't die but like she could i believe that going into this movie james gunn has said no one was off the table he could kill anyone he wanted if he wanted to Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i don't think anyone wanted or expected harley quinn to die anyways no no but the thing is like in marvel like if, if this was as rigidly put together as the marvel universe harley quinn would have plot armor just completely yeah oh for sure yeah and so would a few other characters, probably. Yeah. But in this one, like, this allows James Gunn or anyone else to just be like, yeah, just do whatever you want and we'll figure it out later. Because if they, you know, if they kill off a character in this one, but they decide they need the character later, it doesn't matter as much because no one cares about the details. It's just another, yeah. they, they just get the character back. It's yeah. kind of dumb, can, but like, they can do it. You can tell James Gunn really had a lot of fun with like, that concept, you know, in the first movie, it was really disappointing. I remember when, like, it's the Suicide Squad, and I think one, maybe one person died or something, maybe two, but like, in the, uh, the Slipknot, one... the man who could Slipknot. climb anything. <laughs> Slipknot died after climbing the one thing he wanted to climb in the movie. <laughs> and well, it didn't really matter because no one cared. It was more like a setting of setting up like that tension of anyone's head could explode at any time but also that never happens in the movie so it's not like that scene really held any weight and also like it it doesn't it holds even less weight because it's so obvious which is the character that's gonna die you have this character who like you have diablo who they set up an entire backstory for You've got Captain Boomerang and Harley Quinn, who are the two who are like played by the two biggest name actors in the movie. Uh, you've got like a VFX monster who's clearly going to stick around because obviously. And then you have the man who can climb anything. That's <laughs> barely even a character description. Obviously, yeah. he's going to die. I mean, it was either between him and like Katana, I guess, who also didn't really get much of a introduction. Um, uh, no, she did actually. Uh, her sword steals the souls of the people it kills. Yeah, well, I guess Rick Flag gave us a very, very it's literal Katana. description of what. <laughs> and uh, yeah, well, I think fortunately James, I think James Gunn also hated that movie, and uh, you know he brought he brought in a lot of his personality, I guess, uh, from what I've seen in like the the Guardians movies. But you could kind of tell there was like a different there was a, there was definitely a different vibe in terms of uh, he felt more he almost felt more at home oddly enough like i think mm-hmm. guardians always kind of wanted to get more weird if that makes sense uh and like have more like silly humor and stuff and it's kind of tough given the like the marvel universe and like the i guess the subject matter they're dealing with whereas this movie is pretty i think it's it's just a very casual movie you know like the characters' motivations are there, but they don't matter too much. Um, they, they matter exactly as much as they have to, and that's it. Like, yeah, nothing more like than you, that. You might get, like, maybe... I think there was maybe, like, three minutes total of, like, people explaining who they were and, like, why they do what they do. 
uh and uh just yeah but like it wasn't like anything that really bogged the movie down in any way it was a little awkward sometimes like i, I remember polka dot man doing that having like a monologue and like it helped a lot to understand his character but also it was just very on the nose like 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 oh i i am traumatized or whatever from my mother right um yeah and that wasn't really same thing with like rat catcher same thing with uh blood sport um it just all this character but uh but yeah overall like it just uh you could tell he had a lot more fun with it and uh he was able to do the i guess do the things and say the types of things he wanted to do uh in a movie of this scale um because it was like rated r and he was given let he was let loose to do whatever he wanted instead of you know kind of compromising between his and marvel's vision which i think helped and sure. I think, uh, I don't know if they played this for you, but when I saw this, uh, the, when I saw this in theaters, uh, the right before it, they played like a very brief introduction from the cast and James Gunn. And like mm. James Gunn sounds like he had a lot of fun with this movie, which I think you already said, but like he clearly, he clearly likes this movie a lot. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I remember him talking about the script and saying like it was the most fun he ever had writing a script um and it was like the easiest script he's ever written i can kind of i don't want to be mean i can kind of tell that it was a really easy script to write for him because there was i'd say like a few moments in the movie that really felt kind of unnecessary and like they like there are moments in the plot where i'm like is this really like it just felt kind of like filler if that makes sense mm -hmm. um like I'd say uh the second act kind of struggled in terms of uh, uh I, I felt like the characters were just kind of directionless, you know. And like some of the scenes were like a little long. There's this there's a scene where Harley Quinn falls in love with the the president of what it was basically Cuba, right? I don't wanna be mean, but it was, it was kinda like fake Cuba. It's it's way. soft Cuba. Yeah. Um, but anyways, she falls in, like, she kind of falls in love with him, and they were gonna marry, and it's, like, kind of, it's, I want to say it's, like, a five-minute, five-minute, maybe eight-minute scene total. I, I might be, I might be thinking it's too long, but it just dragged a lot, and there was sort of a punchline at the end, but I think it just, the love scene kind of lasted so long that the punchline at the end felt kind of lame, if that makes sense. And mm -hmm. It's stuff like, like it was little things like that uh like the main team also when they were getting the thinker from the club or whatever felt like a little like is this like this isn't really adding anything to the movie you know yeah um, i gotta be honest the club scene is my least favorite scene in this movie yeah and it, like i guess it was kind of cute to like see the characters just i don't know have a little fun i guess but like mm -hmm. uh also like it just wasn't like it it didn't really reveal anything new. It wasn't. It wasn't really that interesting of a scene. Uh, it just kind of happens, you know. And then they escape it pretty. Like they escape captivity pretty easily after that as well. Um, so, Pierre, I've noticed that uh, we're now. I don't know exactly how far we're into this episode. Probably ten, fifteen minutes. We haven't actually like. We we've talked a lot about individual scenes of the movie, but should we should we oh. sum up this movie real quick, just so oh, yeah, that people aren't completely lost? <laughs> sure, go for it. All right. Well, I mean, this movie I think is pretty straightforward. Uh, the Suicide Squad. It just they they spend. In, I think in the first movie they spent a lot of time setting up the team. In this one, they set up they set up the team in the over the course of about three and a half minutes. Uh, the Suicide Squad is a bunch of supervillains. Um, that are all interned at Bell Rev Prison, and Amanda Waller, a government agent, just picks supervillains to send on a suicide mission uh, where you know, for the U.S. government, where if they disobey her, she kills them. Uh, the suicide mission, in this case, is they have to go to fake Cuba and destroy a lab, because whatever's in that lab is not good. Or at the very least, like Amanda Waller doesn't want it. So they their goal, their objective is destroy this lab and get out of there. Uh, like, I guess she doesn't really care what else they do. I think there's one point in the movie where she sort of uh, 
encourages them to destabilize the politics of the area as well. But that's never part of the mission. She's just like, get in there, get out. And uh, over the course of the uh, over the course of the movie, the Suicide Squad, which eventually ends up being primarily uh, John Cena's Peacemaker and Idris Elba's Bloodsport, uh, along with a couple of other people we'll talk about. I just don't want to say the full roster right away. Um, they they end up finding out more about each other. They end up becoming a good team. It's kind of Guardians of the Galaxy, but R-rated, basically. So I think that's like the, the shell of the kind plot, of, yeah. and that's kind of all it is. It's like a buddy cop movie with a bunch of buddies and no cops. Yeah. It was surprisingly wholesome, actually. Like, when you compared... I was surprised how much it was kind of like Guardians of the Galaxy, which in some ways is disappointing, but in some ways was kind of like a pleasant surprise. Mm -hmm. uh, like, it was like a lot of heartfelt moments. Or there's a, there's a few heartfelt moments that, uh, to me, is kind of... Feels very James Gunny at this point. Like, he's very good at some of those... Uh, uh, like in like in Guardians one and two, I'd, I'd say like Guardians one where Groot sacrifices himself, and then Guardians two when uh, when Yondu sacrifices himself for Peter are like two like of the most like I think best moments in like a superhero movies. Even if like the movies themselves aren't like amazing, amazing in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, and he does he does nail them. Maybe not as well in this movie, but he does add them in. And like considering what the what the movies like, I guess intentions were for the most part they they do hit even if they're not as hard but yeah i uh, feel like after watching this movie i feel like james gunn has a movie that he really wants to make somewhere deep down he might not even know exactly what that movie is but guardians of the galaxy was close guardians of the galaxy 2 was closer and this is the closest he's ever gotten to whatever that ideal movie is that he has sitting mm -hmm. inside him somewhere that he wants to make but it's not quite perfect. It's getting there. Yeah. It's not quite. Yeah. It. That's uh, like, I, I would be kind of interested to see. I feel like he's, he's gotten maybe better as a, as a film director, uh, like over time. And you can kind of see his skill improving, whether the movies themselves are better might be like subjective, but like, I'd say like the suicide squad, probably like, you know, I think it had some amazing sets some amazing like uh production design some cool cinematography stuff uh great chore great choreography actually that's not something like i think guardians one was like a really bad victim of that guardians two was a little better but still not amazing but this movie had some great like action scenes and they mm -hmm. really i don't know if it's because they were more grounded but like uh they were just way more exciting and felt less i guess awkward there, there were some parts of Guardians 1 where, like, the fight scenes were very, like, way edited really poorly and chopped up, and you couldn't really tell what was going on. Um, but no, this this movie was, like, basically relied on the set pieces, and they did very well in that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, and he just felt really confident overall in this movie, too. Uh, I don't know if it's better than the Guardians movies, but it definitely felt like, uh, I don't know, the it felt very... I don't know how to say it. Just, mm, just confident. I don't, yeah, he felt James Gunn had a good time, and he 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 felt like he knew his vision. So mm -hmm. yeah, I like that about it. Um, so yeah, what what did you think of like uh, some of the cast though? This had this had an amazing, amazingly big cast. Like one, probably one of the biggest casts uh, ever, honestly, in terms of like name names, right? Endgame and Infinity War, this might be the biggest cast for a superhero movie. Straight up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to find the original cast. Like, I'm, I've found the very first cast poster that James Gunn shared for it. But there's one with which is like a cast poster where it actually has all of the character names, and I can't find that one right now. But, like, this is... Th the cast for this is just incredible. Uh, I mean, a lot of it ends up being basically cameos, but we have, uh, there's Pete Davidson was in this movie for some reason. Uh, Michael Rooker, Yondu, he's in this movie. Like the movie opens on a shot of Michael Rooker. 
Uh, Nathan Fillion, who's somewhere in every James Gunn movie, is in this movie. Um, it had Sean Gunn, his his brother. I'm starting to realize there's there's some connective tissue here. Uh, <laughs> but like, there's also Taika Waititi. We had like some people from the original one. There was like Jai Courtney, Sylvester Stallone is in this movie. Um, I can just list off names, but like the cast of this movie is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and it was like really, I guess it was just really fun to see a lot of these like new types of like superheroes, I guess. Like they're like, these are all like C and D list characters, right? From the comics. And like some of the powers and like, they had a lot of fun, I guess, with the concepts of like really bad supervillains. <laughs> that makes sense. And yeah, it, it really uh, paid off. One of them is Nathan. Nathan Fillion plays TDK, which is technically an original character, uh, but he's based off an existing DC character. He's based loosely on an existing DC character called Arm Fall Off Boy, which is a real character whose arms <laughs> fall off, and like he—that's his power. He can detach his limbs, which is dumb. And it doesn't. And he's not. And it doesn't do very much. He just like takes off his hands and goes and slaps a few people around and then gets murdered. Yeah. I guess that's a spoiler now. Oops. <laughs> okay, TDK, Nathan Fillion's version of Arm Fall Off Boy does not make it far into the movie. I'm sorry I spoiled that. That's okay. I forgive you. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was really funny to see stuff like that. Because again, like, I think the the first Suicide Squad movie maybe took the powers too seriously, you know? like. like I think like uh, like people like Captain Boomer. Captain Boomerang. I actually I loved him. I loved him in this movie. Like in terms of oh, like yeah. I think he uh, like compared to the first one, it just it looked like he was having way more fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I, he looked more. I guess he more like because again like people like like Harley. Like I had a lot of problems with the first movie because like Harley Quinn and like Captain Boomerang are like put on a squad to fight like this ancient sorceress with like insane like an army of like demons or whatever and it mm -hmm. just like wasn't really believable right whereas like in this it's just like they're they're throwing them at like this this like uh military i guess state and uh i don't know it just feels like because it's more grounded it's more believable that captain boomerang could be useful in this scenario yeah um, and harley quinn and stuff also, I think what I really liked about the cast and the characters in this is, well, I guess the characters more is the powers were either arbitrary, like arbitrarily strong or non-existent. Like the main character, Bloodsport, he doesn't have a power. He, well, I mean, he kind of does because his gun is bullshit, but like he's got yeah. a gun and Peacemaker has a gun and is John Cena. So like he's strong. Harley Quinn, she doesn't have any powers. She just has guns. Like, they're just, they're just, like, characters with basically no powers. But then there's Polka Dot Man, whose power is he can just kill you. Which, like, so the powers are either stupidly overpowered to the point where the character, like, has to be interesting to compensate, or they just don't have powers. And then they're going uh, up against a realistic threat, which is, you mm -hmm. know, covert ops trying to destabilize a government. That's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that made it a lot more, I guess. Yeah. It, it made, it made sense and it was more believable. And I think like it was a good balance in terms of having these like basically insane characters with really good powers, but I guess like no way to really channel it, if that makes sense. So like, mm -hmm. so that the people with guns didn't really, the gun squad people didn't really have like any, I don't know, any lost potential. Like they didn't feel useless, if that makes sense. They, they all yeah. balanced each other out nicely. Um, I will say Polka Dot Man, I was a little, I loved his character. I was a little disappointed in terms of, I thought the Polka Dots would be more like, I remember, I don't know if I read this somewhere, but maybe it was just my thinking that like each Polka Dot color would have like a different utility or something like that. Whereas his powers were basically just, like he throws polka dots and they melt things. I think, as far as I know, yeah, basically. Um, which like kind of felt a little derivative in terms of like everyone has guns, which for the most part are equally effective to the polka dots. Uh, yeah, at least in terms of like hurting people, right? So 
I was hoping for more there, but I think, it, like you said, his character kind of made up for the his loss of like interest of power in terms of his powers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Polkadot's powers were basically just his is the strongest gun, which I th- sure it would have been more interesting if his powers were more interesting. But I think that like the movie didn't need that. It didn't need to be bogged down by trying to understand Polkadot Man's powers. That's fair. Well, I don't think he really needed to explain it. I think he. Well, like, no, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, it. he didn't, he didn't need to explain it. But like, oh, the the idea that each different polka dot color does something else is a cool idea. But mm. I think it would have added like more complexity to this movie than it needed. That's fair. Um, but yeah, and then other other cool characters were like, I loved Ratcatcher two in this movie. She honestly, she stole the movie for me. Like. I, I had no idea who the character was. I have no idea who the actress is. I think this is apparently this is her like first big. Uh, this is her, her first like English movie. I think I think she's oh. a, a a a Latin Latin American uh, actress. As far as I know, I might be wrong. That's just what I read. But anyway, she she was like the heart. Uh, her and Idris Elba were like the heart of the movie, and. Uh, it really uh, sorry real quick she's daniela melchior and she is portuguese portuguese okay cool um but yeah anyway she she really like i guess helped me care more about the movie which i I was surprised by i didn't think i would care about any of the suicide squad characters Mm -hmm. um but i cared about her and it wasn't in like a forced way like i thought it was very natural to her character to like i guess be compassionate and like because in the first suicide squad there was lots of like forced we're a family, you know, like we're a team and we, we love each other, even though they're all like mass murderers. <laughs> or right. And it mass murderers who've known each other for a day. Yeah. Whereas this, it was like, she wasn't trying to force like we're a family or whatever. She was like, she was just trying to, she was just being herself. Right. And yeah. not everyone else was trying to be friends or whatever. And it fit very well. And uh, I, I'd say like her character has, like lots of, I guess, payoff for for being the only emotional one, along with Idris Elba, who also I loved way more. I thought he was just be like a discount Deadshot, which he kind of was, you know. Like mm-hmm. he he was very much Will Smith's character. You could have easily written Will Smith into this role. Well, but I, I think, think he... that I oh, think that ahead. Idris Elba may have originally been like when he was cast in this movie, I believe the reason that they ended up casting him in the first place is because Will Smith didn't want to come back. So like he is basically supposed to be Will Smith's character, except that they thought that it would be a disservice to make him actually Will Smith's character. Yeah. And I, I I guess like it, it felt a little like, okay, the replacement Will Smith. Right. But he, I think he played it a lot better in terms Mm -hmm. of, uh, I was surprised, like, Idris Elba, to me, strikes me as, like, very, like, posh, right? You know, like, and, like, more of a serious actor. But then seeing him, he had a lot of fun, I think, in this role. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, like, he was a badass and stuff. Um, and he was, like, a great leader and, I guess, like, straight man for the team. But he was still, like, had some really funny time, like, really funny moments. Uh, he had some really emotional moments. Uh and like a lot of, t- I think he was just really good at like kind of combining the emotional stuff with the comedy stuff. He, like he could do it in the same scene. Like, uh, like his relationship with his daughter, for example, was kind of sad but also hilarious in a way. Well, I sense. also, I also really liked his relationship with his daughter because while it was emotional and like, you know, it hit the beats it needed to, it wasn't overly sappy. Which I don't think, uh, I don't think, I don't know if Will Smith's relationship with his daughter in the first one was like overly sappy, but like, it was kind of, you know, it it, it, kind of was. But like, you know, the one time he actually interacts with his daughter, they yell at each other and they like do not have a good time. It's a bad, it's a bad interaction all around. And then they both go their separate ways. But like, at the same time, even with that, you still get the, like, the, the relationship still feels real. And it mm-hmm. doesn't feel forced at any point. Like, you get that he cares about his daughter, but, like, also that he probably doesn't ever want to see her. Yeah. And I, no, I, I love how, 
also that scene how like they got lots of exposition out they got lots of emotion out of it but they also got humor you know it was just a very efficient scene and i think mm -hmm. it really like and it also really helped set up it just elbows care because you could see you can see he cares about his daughter right yeah. um at the same time but he's also like like he's just a really bad father so yeah and it, it works and it i think it uh i don't think it necessarily like his character necessarily changes throughout the movie that much but i think he like maybe shows more sides to him than than we like initially realize at the start of the movie if that makes sense um at least in the context of the story he matures a lot but like sure, he's actually, not yeah, a significantly right. different person at the end than he was at the beginning. Yeah, I guess. Um, I like he kind of. I think he learns like just to be more responsible, I guess, and accepting of who he is, maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, um, and uh, I don't know. So Sylvester Stallone was King Shark, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even realize that until the movie <laughs> was over. I'm like, oh, that's that's right. Sylvester Stallone's in this movie. Yeah, he was he was really good. I loved King Shark in this movie. King Shark was uh, great. Yeah, I, w I was kind of expecting like the stupid stupid gimmick to to kind of fade, but no, it worked well throughout the whole movie. Mm hmm. Um. So uh, yeah, that was nice, and he was like actually like a surprisingly emotional character too. Yeah, he. Uh... Oh gosh, there was something I wanted to say about King Shark, and I can't remember what it was. I think I really liked the scene where uh, King Shark discovers the aquarium and, like, tries to be... Just has, like, the time of his life running around trying to be friends with all the fish. Yeah, that was so sweet. It's, and it's it was, really like... Cute. It's, it's kind of a dumb scene, but, like, King Shark is just so cute that, like, you can't... I can't even get mad, you know? Uh, yeah, he's, he's cute Hulk. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's a good point. Very, very indi surprisingly indestructible. I was so scared. There's a scene where he gets shot a lot of times, and he like he's very evidently alive throughout it. And I was just like, "Damn, this guy can like, like really like take take a lot," you know? Yeah, um, they weren't kidding. When right at the beginning, she says, "King Shark is the most powerful person on your team. You can't get rid of him." Yeah, and you're kind of like, ah, he doesn't. I mean, he's a shark, but also you're kind of like, he's he's dumb. Like he's he's like as smart as a brick or whatever but no no he's actually yeah. really powerful um so yeah and I, I don't know like uh they like there was a lot of like was there anything that kind of stuck out to you that you didn't enjoy as much well i mean just before we stop talking about characters i want to point out that my favorite character in this movie is john cena's peacemaker oh, and yeah, i don't okay, say yeah. that as a joke like i think he's an incredible villain in this movie and like i think I, I think it's fine to say he's a villain because everyone in this movie is tech is a villain. And like John Cena just kind of plays an antagonistic version of Bloodsport. They're just like always at odds. And they uh -huh. their their relationship is really good. And then like John Cena the Peacemaker exists outside of his relationships to everyone else. Like he's got a lot going on, and I think he's very good for it. He also has the line that gosh I, I i keep misquoting this line but i think i can get it it's i cherish peace more than anything in the world or i cherish peace with all my heart and i'd kill any number of men women and children to maintain it <laughs> i love that line so yeah much. That's, a, that's a really good line it's a little on the nose but also i think john cena does a really great so has a really great way of delivering a lot of his lines no, but you say that, well. that it's on the nose, and, like, he seems like, like, the idea, if you pitch to me the character, a character who's so devoted to peace that he'll kill anyone to get it, that sounds like a joke character, and I get it, but John Cena actually plays that in a way that not only is just really good, but he also, like, makes a lot of sense, because by the end of the movie, it's like, oh, I get it, as long as he thinks that whoever his boss is, is the best option for maintaining peace throughout the world whatever that means for him he mm -hmm. will do absolutely anything they say at any cost because it's in the goal it's in it's in service of what he considers the greater good so yeah. he's like i so like uh, james gunn's description of him was uh where is it 
Um, a douchey broy Captain America, and mm. like, I think actually he's Peacemaker is what I would imagine Captain America to be if Captain America was more America than Captain. Like, if he wasn't a moral character, mm. if he was just America, like, su- believed in American superiority over everything else. Everything, yeah. Yeah, and it was kind of, I guess this movie was also surprisingly, I guess, political in a way. And I think, like, I guess that, uh, like, the idea of Peacemaker uh, really stuck, or really worked with the themes, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um even though they weren't like uh, like very, they were pretty subtle. Not okay, not subtle, but they were they weren't that important in my opinion. But like they were there. I mean, they I weren't mean, subtle. Yeah, that's it's an American covert ops squad going in to destabilize uh, a uh, Caribbean island nation. Yes. <laughs> so it's like it's not subtle, not at all. But yeah. um. But they answer like, your question. Oh, go ahead. They're not like I guess they're not like pushing that specific theme. I guess throughout the whole movie, if that makes sense. Like they're not telling it to you. It's it's mostly shown, except for a couple scenes, I guess. Um, well, yeah, I'm I'm hmm. I think. Well, earlier on, you asked if there was anything that stood out that I didn't like about the movie, and yeah. I think this is actually a pretty it's actually kind of this. I liked that theme, but I don't think James Gunn committed to it as hard as he could have. Mm. And like, that's not me saying, boy, I sure wish this movie was more anti-American. That's me saying like, there's a theme of uh, like some horrible shit that America does to island countries and to other, and to like poorer countries regularly. And they're talking about that. And that's interesting. But then at the end, uh, the heroes stick around, the, the American heroes stick around, save the nation and establish democracy. And like, okay, but you could have committed even harder to that. And I think it would have been way more effective because as it is, mm. like when you're saying it doesn't push it that hard, I'm not entirely sure if uh, that's how I would say it, but basically what I would say on that note is it is possible to ignore that in this movie and just have this be a fun superhero and just look at this as a fun superhero romp. And as far as I'm concerned, I would have preferred if the themes were like kind of unignorable, I guess. Not because they're in your face, but because the themes are like fully there and they fully commit to being that instead of kind of backtracking at the last second. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Yeah. I don't like, yeah, I I guess like if they were, if, if, if they were going to talk about it, maybe committed to it more. Um, I'm not, I guess I'm not necessarily like, I, I, I'm not like in need of that, if that makes sense. But I think that's what kind of like overall, I think that that is what kind of hurt the movie is that there it didn't really feel like there was much purpose to it. Um, yeah, and like that, that it kind of sounds bad, but like, 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 because like, what what's the purpose of any movie, you know, in that way? But for some reason, it just really stuck out to me because, uh, like in some ways, it's good in that like they made they framed the the plot of the movie as like this is just like another another random suicide squad team like there's no set team if that makes sense Mm -hmm. uh doing another random like this is like this week's team doing this week's mission uh with the like uh, it keeps shifting and all that and like which i kind of like but then also it it almost feels like like an episode of tv if that makes sense where like like none of the characters really change throughout the movie like in a huge way there wasn't the the main plot wasn't really like that like specifically interesting if that makes sense like maybe like you said if they lean more into that american like the american uh i don't know like destabilization theme more or whatever it might have stuck out more but like because i I think i can say because this was in the trailers right but like the main plot was basically they needed to take down starro or whatever Mm -hmm. his name is right um, yeah. which is just a big monster and like that didn't really have anything to do with 
the like it just felt like out of nowhere like i think it might have been more interesting if they were fight bait like literally just fighting like the government or something like that um so uh i'm about to say a bunch of spoilers and we've kind of spoiled a lot of the movie already but just like <laughs> I, I, we've we've been kind of coy about it so i'm just gonna say right here i'm i'm gonna stop being coy about it this is our spoiler warning right here uh, uh, okay really quickly though i want to say rick flag uh, uh i love rick flag in this movie actually i don't know why but it was actually so much better. Mm. Um, yeah, that's. I just want to point that out. I uh, agree was... that he was better than the first one. Okay. <laughs> you didn't like him, I'm guessing? Well, no, I mean, like, I didn't hate him. Uh, okay. I, I didn't think he was... I don't know. I guess I'd say, like, I didn't dislike anyone on the team, but I probably liked him the least. Mm. Well, I'd say, okay, we're in spoilers, so I guess, like, he dies. I can say that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got actually, I, I didn't really care for him that much because honestly, I assumed he would survive, but like his death actually hit me kind of hit me decently because like he was one of the characters I expected to survive the whole movie. Um, mm-hmm. and then also, like, I think his last, like, he was surprisingly because Rick Flag never, like, at least in the first movie, didn't seem particularly like heroic, if that makes sense. Like, he was just kind of like a dude who was trying to save his girl, right? And he was yeah. coincidentally in the military. Um, but this movie, like, he makes that decision to... Uh, he, he want... He, like, he was done with the people, with America, and he was like, I'm going to expose this hard drive to, 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 media, to the media, and then, like, like shit's going to go down, right? Which is what gets him killed by Peacemaker, who wants peace um mm-hmm. and i guess that was just a really that was like a surprisingly deep scene because yeah he, he was he was very i guess heroic in that scene and then also his death his death felt so like meaningless for a character like that like it was like over he was just trying to do the right thing right and then his teammate kills him in the name of peace if that makes sense and that last line of like the the peacemaker what a joke line actually was like really really well done i think yeah um and like was kind of like funny in a way but also just like really sad and like you know it was almost like he was like talking to america in a weird way and yeah and i think like like, if if peacemaker was an even slightly different character that would have been like you know coming off of that line that's a line he'll never forget and now he has to like mm-hmm. think about what he's done except that peacemaker is unrepentant yeah yeah he's not he probably doesn't really regret that at all which is which oh, is yeah. what makes his character so interesting is that like yeah he was he was surprised he was like very like i mean he kills a lot of people but he was actually he was for the most part pretty you know not not necessarily friendly but he seemed like a, a comedic character who was like just trying to do his best uh and like he was not not necessarily more evil than anyone else right but then once that scene comes on then you're like holy shit this guy is actually like will literally kill anyone he does not care so uh let me pitch to you my slight revision of how i would have ended this movie so sure. the this movie uh at the very end like the tower collapses Bloodsport kills Peacemaker, and then they go outside and fight the giant monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I were to if if I were to slightly revise the ending, Bloodsport wouldn't kill Peacemaker. Like Peacemaker would, you know, make, like Bloodsport dies. Peacemaker kills Ratcatcher. They get outside. They're gonna like Peacemaker's now. Peacemaker is now the de facto leader of the team with everyone else who's around. They get outside. There's Starro. Amanda Waller says, "This is no longer your di- your business. Come back." And they just leave. Uh, I don't know if I would have liked that. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would have liked that exactly. Really ballsy. Like, Holy shit! But that's the thing is, I think that this movie should just not have had a giant monster fight at the end. I think it should have been nihilistic and just grim at the end. I I don't know if that would have fit it necessarily. I th- think it would have been cool if peacemaker ended up being the main villain if that makes sense because like mm-hmm. he was he was way more interesting like he was way more interesting than you know star like star is just a giant monster right and 
yeah. he was actually surprisingly interesting considering what he was. You know, he had some, uh, like that line at the end where he's like, he says something really philosophical, like, like I, I just wanted to be in the stars or something like that. Cause essentially he was caught by humanity, right. And experimented on. Um, whereas yeah. like he, it, his nature is just, he's, he was just a creature floating around in space wanting to do his own thing. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, so that, there was a surprising amount of death to Starro. I ne- I don't necessarily like, like that I, they used the giant kaiju as like the main villain just because like yeah it had I nothing think, to do with the squad and like it felt mm-hmm. out of nowhere i think the depth that there was to starro was a little misplaced i think that starro should have kind of just been a nebulous thing like it's the science experiment they're trying to stop and then they release it into the world and then i think they should have stopped there as far as starro is concerned like starro is doing his own thing now uh they have ruined this small island nation. Mm-hmm. All right, back to the Suicide Squad stuff. Peacemaker is now the villain. And like, handle that however yeah. you want. But like, I think that ending with a giant monster fight where everyone comes together was like, it wasn't a bad ending. That is definitely one way to end this movie. But I think it wraps everything up a little more nicely than a perfect version of this movie could have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like... like- I- it was a little weird. It, it felt a little almost reminiscent of the first Suicide Squad where everyone all of a sudden is like like trying to do like the right thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it was more believable for sure. And like I, I liked it and I understood it, but it did felt a little like I don't know if Harley Quinn would have necessarily gone back, if that makes sense. Well, but I um, think like I th- I think that like it makes sense that at that point everyone wants to do the right thing. I think they just shouldn't have been able to either like maybe someone runs back, maybe Bloodsport tries to run back and then like gets his head exploded. So the rest of them are like, well, I guess that's what's going to happen to us. And then they just like peace out. Yeah. Like that, <laughs> that kind of like would have made more sense in my opinion, but uh... yeah. I don't know exactly the perfect way to end this movie, but I would have personally preferred a much more nihilistic ending than we got. Mostly because I think it would have been ballsier and it would have like really driven the themes home. Mm. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I just, I don't know if it would have fit the tone. You know, I, in my opinion, no, this is still no, it like definitely a fun movie. Fit the tone. It's definitely a fun movie at its heart. Um, it would have completely shifted the tone to the point where it's like, what the hell did I just watch? Yeah, and I would have loved that, but like yeah, it may have been a hard fair. sell. Yeah, um, but yeah, like, and I think they did Starro pretty well too. Like that final scene with with Ratcatcher, it was a little. I, I want to say it's a little Deuce. It felt kind of like Deuce Ex Machina. Like obviously she's Ratcatcher; she can summon rats. I don't. It felt a little weird to just have like I want to say millions of rats start to attack Starro and and basically take him down. Um, uh-huh. because like, I don't know, like it, like, it, like at least like maybe like it, it should have been harder, you know, but she just basically turned on her device for long enough and a, a shit ton of rats came. Right. Um, and it wasn't, it didn't really feel like a team effort, like Bloodsport shot Starro a couple times and that didn't really do anything. Polka dot man kind of like shot its leg, shot like through some polka dots at Starro's legs and it like kind of got hurt for a sec, but, like, it didn't really do anything, and then he died. Mm-hmm. Um, King Shark just kind of bit it a couple times and got the shit kicked out of him. Like, so it was basically Ratcatcher took Starro down in what was a really emotional moment, which I loved, but also it didn't really feel, like, paid off, you know? Like, yeah, it, it was, like, kind of a cheap, cheap ending, in my opinion. Um, and that's, like, I think that's just the most, like, the issue... I have with I, I think it's a great movie. Like I think it's it's a really solid movie. It's just there's a couple there's a few things that it feels like like that's like like I said earlier he had a lot of fun making the script, but like I think he out, had almost like too much fun where it felt like he should have he should have maybe rewritten it a few more times and really delved into a more I guess a more interesting plot rather than. Uh, I guess how because yeah like it felt like the like movie just kind of ended this the second act felt like it was just kind of dragging on un, until they could get to starro and like there like nothing was really stopping them from from going to the facility i guess 
Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just little things like that, that like this movie felt like a lot of good moments, if that makes sense. Like lots of great scenes, great moments wrapped up in like a mediocre, not mediocre, but like a decent movie, like a mm-hmm. decent movie plot. So yeah. So uh, I guess like altogether, what what would you say? What would you, what would you give this movie? I want to say like a 7.5 maybe uh i i love i loved it at the end but then like yeah the more i think about like the the middle and maybe even a little bit of the beginning i i have a tough time lo- loving it i just keep thinking about those moments like especially like the first scene you know that first scene i think is actually like a legendary like superhero movie scene <laughs> that makes mm-hmm. sense just watching yeah. all those guys die was hilarious it's uh, it's easily the best it's one of the best opening scenes, at least in any DC movie. Mm. It probably is the best in a DC movie. Yeah, uh, especially the I don't know uh, what what was it like Captain Boomerang? I was shocked when he died, you know, mm-hmm. and like the Nathan Fillion with the arms, just like, that dude was hilarious. Oh my god, I love that so much. What um, does your name stand yeah. for? TDK. It's my name. <laughs> What, your name is letters. All names are letters, dickhead. And that that scene where what weasel like die almost dies in the water and just like, drowns. Yeah, I love how that's something that you never think of. Like, like, like not everyone knows how to swim, right? And I think that's just yeah. funny that they threw him in the water, expecting him to know how to swim. So, yeah, uh, but yeah, I'll give it like a seven. I think a seven point five. Like solid, mo- great, great moments solid movie but it it didn't really feel like amazing or like truly special in my opinion Hmm. yeah i'm gonna give it like a really really strong seven i don't think i can give it higher than that but like there's so there's more in this movie that i like than that i dislike uh but like i watched this movie twice and the second time i watched it it was still good, but like it became more clear to me like it's this movie is has really, really great moments, and it has mostly those, but like where this movie is not super strong, it kind of drags, yeah, and there's but, just yeah. like and and this is just one of those movies that's so in in my mind, this is so close to being incredible that the few places that i like the few problems i notice really bother me even if they're actually not that big yeah wait like what so what specifically bothered well, you? i don't know if you delved into that i i think i did because mostly what i'm talking about is at the very the the final fight with the monster is is a cool fight but oh, like okay. it's just it's just a fight with a monster and like yeah, yeah. it could have been so much more interesting and I think I know elements of how it could have been so much more interesting. I mean, I gave my potential ending at, earlier and like, even I don't think that's a unambiguously better ending, but like elements of that are things that I would really like to have seen in this. Yeah, fair enough. I, I totally agree. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll I, I, I hope to see another Suicide Squad movie from James Gunn. I think, yes. I think he, I think he has a lot of, you know, potential in terms of uh, like improving on this movie, and I think he has the skill to do it. Uh, the only thing yeah. that the only thing I'm worried about is Guardians of the Galaxy one and two are they're they're pretty they're pretty different, but like they are similar. Gosh, no, they're they're pretty different. But this movie was like kind of a rated R DC themed Guardians of the Galaxy, and like that's kind of a cheap thing to say because it really is different from guardians of the galaxy, but it's got a lot in common. And so I only want to see another one. And if he can do something that is as different from this one as guardians of the galaxy two is from guardians of the galaxy, at least like it, it should be, I want to see another suicide squad, but I don't want to see this exact same one again. Yeah, that's fair. I I, I do want to say quickly that, like, I was kind of surprised that, like, we did, 
like even though they they really amped up the idea of the suicide squad there was still like like i was very surprised to see that we we were still stuck with like a main team of people that were like a lot less likely to die if that makes sense um yeah and he focused on and it it did feel very reminiscent to guardians like i think you could decently compare chris like uh star lord to Bloodsport. like you know kind of a straight man with like some comedic moments some emotional moments you got you got uh peacemakers drax you can you could compare rocket or i mean groot to king shark you know like it it was kind of a samey team and yeah you're right it, think, it feels cheap to say that but it didn't well, really feel like he was really adding anything new to his filmography in terms of i like, think sorry go uh, ahead Sorry, I was going to say, I think like the reason that I bring that up is because if there's another Suicide Squad movie, I would not, because of the gimmick of the Suicide Squad, I don't want to see this team again. But if we don't see this exact same team again, then I don't know how, like what Suicide Squad 2 would look like because Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is able to be different from Guardians of the Galaxy 1 in the ways that it is mm -hmm. because it focuses on the same team. Mm -hmm. So I, okay, I don't yeah, want to see that. I don't want to see that again for the second one. But then how do you not make it just another movie where a team of people comes together? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, he might not even do, like, he, he might just switch... Uh, like franchises, I guess. I, I see him doing superhero movies for quite a while, honestly, at this point. I don't... I love... I, I do like his directing, but I don't know if he stands much of a chance like switching over to to more like independent movies or like his own movies, if that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe kind of like the Russos where like he, he really relies on that superhero infrastructure to to be successful. But, you know, maybe... Who knows? Maybe he... He will go off and do his own thing and be successful. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah. Anyways, cool movie. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, next week let's we we like skipped a bunch of movies this summer, but we've actually seen them. So next week let's talk about those. Sure. The what's the last word, Jeff? Uh, symbol of freedom.